It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast, a shortened version this week because it's Thanksgiving and as much as I like you guys, I don't really want to spend most of my Thanksgiving with you. Um, I'm going to spend part of it with Trey Biddy from Hogsports.com. We're going to talk Arkansas-Missouri on Friday. Trey, what's going on, man? Hey, Gabe. Not much, man. Just waiting on this game. A little Thanksgiving. Basketball season doing well. Actually, the basketball game on Friday may coincide at the same time with the uh, with the football game. So uh, it could be a, a split fan base watching uh, either football or basketball Friday. And Arkansas is playing in, playing in a tournament this yeah. week. Is that right? Yeah, it's the PK-80, uh, the Phil Knight Invitational. And uh, it's, uh, it's a big-time tournament. It's 16 different Nike schools. Uh, ranging from North Carolina and Duke and uh, I, I believe Oregon and uh, you know the, the Portland and Portland State teams like that and then uh, yeah Arkansas made the cut for that list uh, for that uh, they play Oklahoma on Thursday at four Central Time uh, it is out in Portland Oregon but it's at uh, it's at four Central Time and uh, uh, it's a, it's a big matchup Arkansas's basketball team looks pretty good and. Uh, Got a lot of seniors, uh, heavy on senior guards, uh, really impressive freshmen and Daniel Gafford. So uh, fans are pretty jacked up about that tournament and uh, get to see what Arkansas has. And then Friday's game will either be against Portland or North Carolina, which would be a rematch of the NCAA tournament game from last year. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Mike Anderson and his team in a few minutes, but uh, the the question on everybody's mind is, has John Gruden been spotted in any Fayetteville restaurants in the last seven days? No, you know the thing used to be on Monday Night Football. If he was wearing a red tie, that means he was gonna he was gonna be the coach at Arkansas. So oh, I didn't know John he was Gruden. rumored for Arkansas too before. <laughs> well, back in the day, I mean, people have kind of gotten over that nonsense. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, no, that, I mean, Gruden's isn't he mentioned for every job opening? Yeah. So uh, if yeah. he's wearing the, the tie color of your team, that means that means you've got him. Yeah, dude gets like seven million dollars a year to do one football game a week. Come on, yeah, man. the best he job ever. He doesn't need to go recruit seventeen-year-old kids. So, I, but in all seriousness, like, where are things at with with Brad Bielema? I mean, I I know where what the temperature of the fan base is, but uh, is this like a foregone conclusion, or who knows? It feels like a foregone conclusion. I mean, even talking to him on Monday, this press conference, you just kind of get the sense that it's it's just kind of over. I mean, with the situation with Arkansas's athletic director, Jeff Long, being fired yeah. uh, last week, and then it just – it almost seems obvious that it's over. I mean, you can survive a year like this, a four-win season, um, if you had that season to fall back on, you know, the 10-win the season in your re- recent – pass but Brett doesn't have that I mean the most they've won is eight and that was with a bowl win uh, back in 2015 and really that should have been a 10-win season when you look back at some of those games they lost to Toledo that year I mean your best year is a year that you lost to Toledo so uh, you would have a hard time finding if you if you went out and just grabbed 100 Arkansas fans I bet you couldn't find one that says yeah you got to keep him he needs yeah. to stay you're either going to find uh, I think it would be fine for a change or he's absolutely got to go that's that would be the temperature of the fan base in Arkansas and it's been that way for a while it really really kicked into full gear the way last season ended with blowing the 17 point lead up in Columbia last year to Missouri and then following that up with a 24 point lead in the bowl game at halftime to Virginia Tech and losing 
what did they lose? Thirty something, thirty eight to twenty four, something like something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, just totally got their doors blown off in the second half, and that all started the unfortunate trend for them of losing seven straight games against Power Five teams. You had the the loss to. TCU, a game that everybody was waiting for since last season. How is Arkansas going to come back from these second-half collapses? And what happened was they lost 28-7, to collapsed again in the second half and lost 28-7. to And then, you know, you go, you lose again to Texas A&M in overtime. I believe that was the third time in the last five years that they've lost an overtime game to Texas A&M, including – Five losses in a row under Brett Bielema to Texas A&M. So you lose that one. Of course, that's going to sour everybody. Here you go again. You're in control of this game, and you lose again to Texas A&M. Then a must-win game at South Carolina, and they go up there and completely fall apart in the second half. I think it was tied at halftime, and they fell apart in the second half, just which has become their their M.O. And, of course, right at that point is really when people started to completely turn yeah. uh, on Brett because – that was a must-win type of game if you're going to get things back on track because you knew you were following it up with Alabama and Auburn. And right. of course, Alabama beat them 41 to nine. Auburn beat them 52 to 20, I think, in their own backyard. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was just part of the seven-game losing streak. The only real positive they've had this season: they played well against New Mexico State. Nobody cares about that. And they played uh, they played well against Ole Miss, who you know Ole Miss is Ole Miss. They're in their own right. situation. The difference between Arkansas and Ole Miss is Ole Miss, you know, is staring down the barrel of NCAA sanctions, having to fire you know hire a new coach. I mean, they're they're what Arkansas was back in 2012 after the Bobby Petrino situation, except for Arkansas had a chance to rebuild and Ole Miss doesn't. I mean, so that's the team that Arkansas beat this year, mm-hmm. and that's it. And uh, I would be surprised hey, if the Hey, man, you're, you're skipping that huge comeback against Coastal Carolina. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd wipe that one from my memory. Uh, and, yeah, and then, you know, to treat that one after the game like it was, you know, some awesome comeback when it was, uh, you know, the best I, I'd heard that put is, you know, that Coastal Carolina got all the breaks and, you know, the ball just bounced their way, The whole, which wasn't true. I mean, right. it was. I can point to several instances where Arkansas got lucky. Uh, but uh, some, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, you know, Arkansas is the team that they caught, all, they caught the break by getting to play Coastal Carolina. <laughs> that was the break. And, uh, yeah, I mean, from, at that point you just kind of knew, yeah. all right, this is it. There's no, there's no coming back from this. I mean, that would have been – I mean, I've got my, you know, list of, you know, the ten worst loss – the ten worst games – uh, and Bielema's tenure at Arkansas, and that one's definitely on there. Yeah. So um, it's it's been an injury-riddled year. There's no question that's played a factor, but it didn't play as much of a factor in the the 0 and 7 streak against Power Five teams in year five. You just can't do that in year five. You know, hey. if you're getting if you're getting that long to turn a program around, and then it's your fifth year, you don't have anything to fall back on, and it's year five, and you have an 0 and 7 streak against Power Five teams. And really, I would argue when you look at the talent on this roster versus the 2013 roster that he inherited, that he went three and nine, and he did recruit some of these players. But there are 20 players on that roster that went on to play in the NFL. I don't think that there are 20 players on this roster that are going to play in the NFL. Yeah, and that may be the answer to this next question. I mean, why didn't this work? Because I remember the day it happened thinking, holy cow, man, getting Brett Bielema from Wisconsin, that's a hell of a hire. I mean, why didn't it work? I almost think he played it too safe. Uh, Almost played it too safe. He stuck to this, you know, very moral high ground. Nothing wrong with that, obviously, but it just didn't work out. 
uh, they would be very cautious about the recruits that they would offer scholarships to. Um, for example, really only Texas A&M and LSU would be comparable to Arkansas in terms of schools that offer the fewest recruits. Mm-hmm. You know, Ole Miss was always really high. And obviously, you know, Gabe, we know what that means. You know, you get a recruit reports an offer. It's not an offer. Right. You know, you haven't seen them in person. You're just trying to stay in the game with the recruit. You know, everybody knows that. Uh, you, 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 don't, you don't think a guy from South Carolina is going to commit to Arkansas without ever visiting. So you just go ahead and offer him. And then when it comes around to it and he wants to offer you, know, no, we didn't, we didn't say we're offering you. We said we want to offer you. We can't technically offer you until right. August. You know, all that, you know how that goes. So, but Arkansas wouldn't do that. They were very upfront with, with their offers. It was very routine to see an in-state player pick up several, you know, power five offers, the, you know, some of the top guys before Arkansas would offer them. And obviously you don't want to make a mistake on an in-state guy and have to pull the offer off. So, right. you know, you get a little bit of leniency on that. But they just didn't – to me, they didn't offer enough players out there. Um, they stuck extremely strong to, you know, high-character kids that, that love football, obviously. But at the same time, uh, a lot of times they wouldn't get those kids. And they'd have to fall back on stuff. I can think back to the recruiting class uh, in 2016 – their first 11 commitments were great guys that were at the top of their list. But the rest of them after that were just like all, all of them were fallback guys, every single one of them. And, and a lot of that I think is due to, you know, not being in the game early on a lot of recruits. So they did recruit extremely high character kids. I know Cole Kelly just got arrested for suspicion of DWI a couple weeks ago. Before that arrest, I can't even remember the last arrest. Yeah. And I think I could count them over the last five years. I think there's probably been six arrests. And, I mean, all of them are, you know, things like, you know, making a mistake, like uh, getting in a car, you know, when you've had too much to drink, right. um, those types of things. None of them have been violent crimes. You know, none of them have been somebody stole something, none of that stuff. It's all been, you know, alcohol-related stuff. And then, again, very small amount. Uh, academically, the, the football program has, I think the last couple of years, led the SEC in academic honor roll. You know, there's all these things that you point to when you're not winning, you know. Right. Uh, good job in society. Good job. Great job with academics. Um, you know, over a 3.0 GPA for the football team. Those things are great. But, but nobody me, those, cares about them. Right. Well, those are things that you should be doing. You don't get a trophy for not getting arrested. You know, you don't get a trophy for for staying academically it's, eligible. Those are like, things that you're in college to do. If you're yeah. smart enough to get into college, you're smart enough to graduate. Bottom line is, and football players, they need tutors just because they're not going to be at every class because they have to travel and stuff. But if you go to class and you have perfect attendance, you're going to graduate college. I mean, everybody knows that's what it comes down to. And for Arkansas, that's something that they've – you know, propped up a lot, and it's great, but the difficult part of being a student athlete is the second part. It's the, it's the being 6'5", you know, 250 pounds, and being able to run in the 4 or 5 range. That's what's hard, you know, grinding it out and, and practicing and wanting it, very, you know, more. A lot of people can succeed academically. It's the most important thing in your life, academics, but it's easier to succeed with hard work versus football is not as easy. You know, it's right. not as easy to succeed in football. You have to have, you know, a measure of talent to be able to do that in certain drive. And it just hasn't it hasn't played out. And then you can go back to this game last weekend, by the way, Gabe. They totally squandered that opportunity yeah. against Mississippi State. 
they they outplayed them for the most part. They got the ball rolling in their way. They got lucky uh, at least three times, had some really great breaks go their way. And the last drive, they run a single route to a player that they barely used all season because the other guy got hurt instead of going to something else. They, I don't even know what the route was. I don't know if it was a post or a slant because he got shoved off his route twice <laughs> when running it, and there was a miscommunication on the play. The most important play of the game, fourth and two at midfield, you got to have it, and there's a miscommunication on the play. Yeah, that just defines this whole season, and that's why we are where we are right now with Arkansas. And uh, yeah, I think Brett ultimately, to answer your question, just played it a little bit safe, um, and not safe, but he wanted to build it a certain way. And in theory, if you if you recruit great kids that love football, you know you should have a measure of success. But it just combined with the injuries this year and just some other things that went Arkansas's way, the wrong way, I should say, uh, it just just kind of fell apart. Yeah, I mean, this is the SEC. It's Great kids are great, but you got to have athletes. Yeah. Got to have athletes. You know, that, that whole thing about the academics and all that, it reminds me of, of Chris Rock saying, like, you're supposed to not go to jail, you know. Yeah. No, you're supposed to take care of your kids. Yeah. Right, exactly. There's <laughs> there's nothing nothing special about that. And uh, we will get to this game in a minute, but uh, you know the the interesting the interesting part here is this whole discussion. And so Arkansas is without an AD. I mean, first of all, why is Jeff Long out? And second of all, what? How do you hire a coach without an AD? Yeah, I think they've got to hire an AD first. Uh, I mean, who who wants to go work for somebody they don't know who it's going to be? Uh, I don't know why Jeff is out. Uh, you know, poured over it. Uh, I, from what I can tell, it's um, people not liking each other. If you look at his performance review, there's nothing on there that indicates Jeff Long should be fired. I think there are some people that didn't want the north end zone expanded. There's other little things like, um, you know, removing – names off of parking spaces and replacing with numbers, you know, kind of as a disrespectful thing that, that people, you know, foresee that he did. Kind of just dug a hole over and over again and over the years it just kind of filled up on him. Um, or not filled up, but just opened up on him. And yeah. uh, just I think over the years he just kind of developed some enemies. It, it feels a little petty. I can't understand when you look at the things that he did from a fundraising standpoint um, you know, they, when you look at Razorback Road, the, the facilities that he has, um, you know, really, you know, pioneered the, the way for that. Um, you know, with, with the expansion of the the north end zone, uh, with the football operations facility, uh, with the baseball track practice facility, with the basketball practice facility, the Jerry Jones Student at, um, Student Success Center, G and Jerry Jones, I should say. Uh, all of these things are. You know, things that, that he did as far as this facility's master plan. He, if you ask any student athlete, they're going to say, oh, yeah, Jeff Long got it. He took care of us. But if you ask some of the fans and maybe some boosters and, you know, people on the board, obviously, uh, they would say he didn't get it. He didn't get what being Arkansas was. He definitely forced Arkansas out. I mean, all of the hires that he made, you know, in and around the program, uh, I think one of them was from the state of Arkansas. So, I think there was a little bit of a sense that maybe he just didn't get what being a Razorback was supposed to be, uh, being a Razorback fan was supposed to be. It definitely took on a more corporate feel uh, since he was here. But you know, that's just that's all over college athletics. That's just kind of the way it is. So why was Jeff Long fired? Your guess is as good as mine because <laughs> I can't find anything to really substantiate yeah. the 
reason for him to be fired. All right, so la- last one on this, and I mean, like, I, I want to kind of preface this by saying, look, I tell Missouri fans all the time, if if you can go eight and four at Missouri, you're never going to get fired. You're going to have a lifetime contract. I, I think the most important thing when you're going to hire a coach is understand what your program is. Fans are not good at that. Every fan, I understand, overestimates their program. Uh, but I guess the question is, how good a job is this? Because I look around, I, I think, look, Florida's clearly a better job. Tennessee's clearly a better job. Nebraska is clearly a better job. A&M is almost certainly a better job. You know, it's it's a tough time to go hire a coach, and you've got to be realistic about what you can get. So how good a job is it? Yeah. Well, I don't know that Nebraska's a better job right now, uh, just given, you know. I I think it is because it's in the Big Ten, whatever it is and Arkansas in the SEC. I mean, you could go 8 and 4 and your losses at Arkansas could all be top 15 teams in any given year. Yeah, that's true, but I do think that there are I, I think there's an, a better avenue to win. I think big I think Nebraska is a little bit alienated with Texas now that it's in the Big 10, which it used to to really have to draw recruits from. But Arkansas has had that same problem. That's one of the big failures that Brett has had at Arkansas. He has not been able to recruit Texas. I mean, and part of it stems from not recruiting or not bringing in coaches that are able to recruit Texas. Uh, if you look back at 2013, though, Gabe, out of all the coaching searches that were out there, Brett Bielema was the biggest hire. The yeah. Tennessee job was open. The Auburn job was open. Uh, there were a lot of jobs open that year, and nobody made a bigger splash than Arkansas with hiring Brett Bielema. Now, it didn't work, but at the time, they were hiring a guy that was coming off of three Rose Bowls that had just won the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, so um, I do think it is a good job. Now it's not Florida, and, and the reason that Arkansas is not Florida and it's not Texas A&M in those places is because of the backyard. Arkansas as a state does not produce the level of talent that some of those other places do. So that is the big hurdle to overcome. Is and I've heard stuff like, "Oh, there's a stigma attached to Arkansas. That's why they can't recruit." You're telling me there's not a stigma attached to half the states. I mean, right. most of the states in the SEC, they don't have a, the difference is it's a backyard issue. You don't produce a ton of talent, so you have to go elsewhere. You have, right. to, you have to be better at evaluating. You have to have certain connections and stuff. And uh, I think that's a little bit where this, stack, this staff has lacked. But when you talk about facilities, when you talk about support, uh, all of those things, Arkansas is a very good job, and it's in the SEC. And if you're any kind of competitor, you want to come to the best conference. And there's not a lot of jobs in that in that area, so uh, it is a good job. But you know, are they going to win a head-to-head battle with with Florida? No, they're not. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is a good job, and um, the one limitation is getting over that recruiting hurdle. All right, so there is a game on Friday. Um, look, Missouri has played two teams in the last month that, like, I mean mid-third quarter, it was pretty obvious they'd quit. Like, I watch Arkansas. I don't think this is a team that's mailed anything in, and and I've actually thought all along this would be Missouri's toughest game in the last four because I think Arkansas is capable of scoring with them. I don't really have any idea to how to assess where Arkansas is at and how much they're going to be into this game. I mean, four and seven, the best they can hope for, I guess, is a win in, like, one of those APR bowls, and they can go play in the – the weed eater bowl or whatever. Um, where they? At? I mean, do you think Arkansas is is a threat to to kind of end this run Missouri's on, or do you look at this as kind of playing out the string? Yeah, 
I, to be honest, Gabe, I disagree with you on a lot of that. I do think they have quit in some of these games. I okay. don't think that they quit last week. I think the defense played as well as they have. But at LSU, I felt like they just kind of thought they had it won at halftime. It's 7-7. Okay, here we go. Uh, I, I felt the same at South Carolina. Um, all, I mean, really, most of the games I feel like they just kind of they come out at halftime. It's just like, all right. The Ole Miss game, they obviously came back in the second half, but and I don't, I don't know that they can score. I don't know that they are healthy enough to score. I don't think Austin Allen is 100. Uh, percent Jonathan Nance is banged up, their leading receiver, and Nance is Nance is a good receiver. He's not like a playmaker type of guy that's just going to, uh, you know, take a short pass and turn it into a 60-yard touchdown. I don't think that's him. So I think the difference in this game is Missouri can just outscore Arkansas. I, I think it's going to be. I think Missouri's going to win and and probably win fairly comfortably. And with this being the last game of the season, I don't think there's a bowl game in sight with the AD, with the writing on the wall, with Bielema. Uh, I can just see this one going really going Missouri's way. All right, last thing for you. Is this an NCAA tournament team Mike Anderson has this year? Yes, it is. It's an NCAA tournament team. Uh, Daniel Gafford will end up being one of the top freshmen in the country. There's, it wouldn't surprise me if he – I know there's a lot of talented freshmen in this league, but this kid has some really, really special ability. It wouldn't surprise me to see him be freshman of the year in the uh, in the SEC. So three senior guards, uh, another senior forward, and they have another senior who's been suspended who's coming back. They have another senior who's suspended who may be coming back. Uh, they've got a lot of really impressive young talent, and – Jalen Barford and Daryl Macon in the backcourt have been pretty dynamic this year. So this tournament, getting them away from Bud Walton, should tell a lot about this team. All right, Trey, appreciate it, man, and we will uh, see you on Friday afternoon. All right, see you then, Gabe. All right, have a good one. Trey Biddy, hogsports.com. They cover the Arkansas Razorbacks. A uh, lot to digest there, and, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. This is the this is really the fourth time in, in four weeks that we've had a writer that covers the opposing team on the podcast and he has kind of made me think, well, I've got to pick Missouri, and I've got to pick Missouri pretty big in this game. Uh, Florida, maybe it wasn't quite as much that way, but Tennessee, it was pretty obvious. Vanderbilt, it was pretty obvious. And listening to Trey, uh, hey, it sounds like Missouri's probably headed for its sixth straight win. Now, I know things can happen, but if Missouri plays well, this ought to be a 7-5 and five team. So what does that mean? Um, that means they're going to a bowl game, which we know. The SEC is only going to have nine bowl-eligible teams. The lowest bowl game Missouri will go to is the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Uh, it's all geographic. After after the, the playoffs and then the, the Peach Bowl and the Citrus Bowl, everything is all – and the Peach Bowl is actually in the playoffs. So at, after the playoff bowls and the Citrus Bowl, it's all kind of geographic working with the conference. What's the best group of six matchups, not what's the best individual matchup? So there's not really an order like the Music City Bowl picks fourth and then the Texas Bowl and then the Liberty Bowl. It's just they're all six together. Uh, the Belk Bowl's in that group. Uh, I can't remember. There's a couple other ones. But anyway, there's six bowls. So it's going to come down to this. How many teams are in the playoff bowls for the SEC? If it's two, then I, I think Missouri is almost certainly headed to either Memphis or to Houston, Texas. Uh, if it's three, then one of those bowls isn't going to have an SEC team, and it's probably, I think, the Liberty Bowl that that might be out of the picture. So that brings Jacksonville into the picture, the Tax Slayer Bowl. 
It could bring Orlando and the Outback Bowl into the picture, although I think they'll go for LSU or Mississippi State. So anyway, I, at this point, if I had to handicap it, I think the most likely game Missouri goes to is the Texas Bowl in Houston against the Texas Longhorns. And the main reason for that is the Texas Bowl just had Texas A&M last year. Texas A&M is probably going to fire Kevin Sumlin if you believe all the reports out there. Aggie fans aren't going to be all that excited to go to a bowl game in, in Houston. Texas doesn't want to play A&M, so I think Missouri's a good substitute uh, for that bowl. And, and we'll, you know, there's, there's a decent number of Missouri fans that would go to that game. Texas will obviously pack that game. It'd be a little bit like a road game, but I think it's a matchup Missouri fans would be excited about. And personally, from a pure matchup standpoint, I'd rather see the Texas Bowl against Texas than the Liberty Bowl against Iowa State or Kansas State. Now, for travel reasons, for fan reasons, for selfish reasons, the Liberty Bowl's better. But from a pure matchup standpoint, I actually think there's more intrigue playing the Longhorns in Houston than there is uh, playing Kansas State or Iowa State in Memphis. But that'll all be ironed out um, the Sunday after conference championship game. So a week from this Sunday, and we'll have one more podcast before then. And we'll talk about, you know, uh, title game weekend and all that. And a little bit more will sort itself out with Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, and, and who's going to be going where uh, basketball, you know, Hey, Trey talked about Daniel Gafford, maybe being the freshman of the year in the sec. Everybody's freshman of the year in the sec isn't playing right now. He's going to sometime. Like, look, guys, I'm just telling you, Michael Porter Jr. is going to play for Missouri. The, oh, my God, he's never going to suit up. This is Tony Van Zandt, all that. I've got no one who actually knows what's going on who agrees with that statement. Michael Porter Jr. is going to play. We don't know when it is. If you've been living under a rock for the last 18 hours, well, by the time this this airs, actually, by the time this is out there, it's probably actually going to be closer to, you know, 56 hours or something like that because this isn't probably going to post till Wednesday afternoon. But um, he's he was in Dallas on Monday, or he at least flew to Dallas. I can't promise you he stayed there. I don't know. But he took a flight to Dallas. He's seeing a specialist. That much we know. My attitude toward this is if he can get on a plane to go see the doctor in Dallas, he can get on a plane to go to Orlando to be with his team. Whether he plays or not is a completely different issue. I I don't expect Michael Porter Jr. to suit up in Orlando, at least on Thursday. Maybe by Sunday he's ready to go, feeling okay. I don't know. But I wouldn't expect him to play that first game in Orlando. But if I'm the coaching staff, it's starting to reach a point where I tell the kid, look, you got on a plane to go to Dallas. It's like a two-and-a-half, three-hour flight to Orlando. You can come be with us. You can go to Thanksgiving dinner with the team. You can watch your team play. You can be a member of this team. Because if he doesn't go to Orlando, then we're seven games in. We're 20% of the way through the entire season, and he's been on the bench for exactly one game. At some point, resentment starts to creep in in that locker room. I, I don't think it has yet, but at some point, if he has this whole different set of rules and he's not with the team, it's going to start affecting the team. And Conzo Martin can only worry about the guys who are there, who are practicing every day, who can play for his basketball team. So to me, if he's not in Orlando, that's a big red flag. Uh, again, he may not play, but I think he should be there. And hey, this may all be immaterial. Like you might be able to have skipped the last four minutes by the time this podcast is out because – 
we may have an answer on what Michael Porter Jr. is doing, and it may very well be that he's in Orlando. I, maybe it'll be that he won't. Either way, hopefully we'll know by the time you guys are actually listening to this, and then you can just go back and decide whether I have any idea what the hell I'm talking about or not. But as I said, Thanksgiving week, so just one guest. Brian's already on the road. Um, I'm hitting the road Thursday afternoon. Um, we will be in Fayetteville. I will be in Fayetteville on Friday for the game. Uh, obviously, Missouri plays basketball Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Uh, we'll, we'll be watching from afar with all of you guys talking about it on the message boards, all that. So a big week. Um, kickoff 1.30. It's on CBS. I don't know what channel the basketball games are on. We'll figure it out by Thursday morning at 10.30 when Mizzou faces Long Beach State. But um, we'll have plenty of stuff. Like, we don't take days off. There's still going to be content on on Thanksgiving Day. Still going to be content all throughout the weekend, all that. So hope you all enjoy Thanksgiving with your families. Thanks for listening here. Thanks for those of you who subscribe to PowerMizzou.com. And uh, here's to some fun stuff in Mizzou sports over the weekend. Brian and I will be back on the podcast next Thursday.